Hello, and welcome to the LearnerPrivacy.org podcast. I'm your host, Charles Severance, and this is episode five. The title of our episode today is A Scary Campfire Story. Now, I want to emphasize that this is a fictional story that I completely made up and I stretched to make my point. But it does take inspiration from sort of some real people and real events and then sort of fills in my own version of the gaps in between. And so this is fiction. It's not real. If it is real, then I'm just darn lucky. But it's not. So let's meet our characters. Our main character is an English teacher, teaches at a community college in the Midwest. Both the community and the college have a large underserved population. This faculty member's research interest is in how technology does not always have the same benefit for underserved people. Very inspirational teacher, very passionate, great at connecting with young people and everyone around them, has a long history of teaching, quite beloved and seen as a leader in both their teaching and their research areas. The students are young and bright and they're very diverse. Community college is doing exactly what community colleges are supposed to do, and that's opening their minds to a world of possibility and helping them find their place in a future society. They adore, of course, their English teacher. They even come back from time to time and tell the English teacher how great the English teacher was and how the teacher prepared them for a complex and evolving world. They use a learning management system, of course. There has to be a scary part of the scary story, and the scary part is that it's a cloud-hosted, fully outsourced, United States-based learning management system. And, of course, they chose it because they have a small IT organization, and um, but it's really easy for them to run because they just write a check to somebody else and then someone else runs it entirely. It's not bad. The students and teachers like their LMS. It's great for... English, they can write and submit papers, including drafts, and then rewrite them and resubmit them, and it has a great annotation system, and the teachers and the students really find that allows for a lot of rich interaction around writing assignments. And then one day, started out like any other day, but then on television we saw a number of very disturbing images, and a person died at the hands of police. And there was lots of bystander video from lots of different angles. And no matter what angle you looked at, it was clear that this was simply wrong. There was no two ways to look at it. There was no justification. There was not even the smallest bit of gray area. And all these kind of events are sadly familiar. Somehow this incident was so obvious, so blatant, so clear that something needed to be done, a march or a protest or something. It's time to take a public stand on this issue. And the the students and the young people, um, all of the students felt very deeply about this. And so they just figured they should do a march or a protest. They organized themselves on Facebook. And these protests were coming up in, you know, very rapidly all over the country. Uh, Things were tense in a few of the protests. The organizers wanted a peaceful protest, but given how things happened in other cities, it wasn't clear Uh, if this protest would be uh, caused trouble or not. So the local law enforcement authorities, in an abundance of caution to protect the citizenry, wanted to be able to know later who was at the protests in case something bad happened after the fact. Let's just hope that everything stays peaceful, but it's really good to know in the face of an unknown threat to do everything that you can to protect 
to protect the citizens. And so they luckily had a Stingray cell phone tracking device in a van that was available to them. Now, this may be the first time you've heard of a Stingray tracking device. Well, you can look it up. It's called a IMSI catcher, which is the serial numbers. So when a cell phone, as it's you're carrying it around in your pocket, it's pinging towers, and it's saying, you know, hey, can I use you? And there's towers that certain phones can use or can't use. And so the Stingray pretends to be a cell tower. And nearby phones start hunting for cell towers and the stingray captures the serial number and then pretty much ignores the phone and then this, the phone keeps looking and it finds a real tower and so you don't even notice except maybe for a very brief amount of time that your phone is doing anything wrong or different it's just the stingray has gathered it now there's a website on the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, you can see which state and local authorities have stingrays available to them. And it turns out somewhere in about one half of the states, local law enforcement have access to request that a stingray uh, be deployed. Pretty, pretty convenient. It's a neat technology. So law enforcement parks the van near the path of the protesters. They passively gather cell phone serial numbers of everybody who walks by. And the good news is the protests do not turn violent. Everyone makes their point. No one breaks the law or gets harmed on that day. It's really a very excellent outcome, and we should applaud law enforcement agencies for being so well prepared. And it's fine to be prepared and then not have to need it. A few days passed, and the protests continue both locally and nationally. But uh, and a few places experienced some unrest and, and lawless behavior. And there's some rumblings that, you know, the young people are going to plan some more protests. And law enforcement, again, in an abundance of caution and to protect the average citizen, uh, want to get some information about these people behind the emerging plans just to take a look at what they might be thinking and, you know, are they planning anything bad. Just, just, to, be, just to be very much on the safe side. So they take all those cell phone numbers that they scan and it turns out they look through them and some of those cell phone numbers belong to the current and former community college students. They turned out they provided their phone number on their Pell Grant applications. And it turns out that some of those community college students turn out to be leaders of the local branch of the national movement. And they also took an English class and that's part of the reason they're so successful as uh, national communicators uh, around all of these ideas. So the law enforcement is like, could this turn into a problem? We, we should probably investigate this to protect our citizens from mayhem. And so they say, well, let's get a subpoena to see some of that student's data from the community college to look for suspicious behavior. They look at the Facebook and their Twitter and they're like, well, but we can get data from the community college to see what kind of things these students are talking about in their classes. And is there any radicalization going on in those classes? Now it turns out that there is a law, Federal Educational Records Privacy Act, that the school is supposed to notify students before releasing data to a subpoena. But the problem is, is there's some concern that this might be domestic terrorism. They have no real strong evidence of that, but it, they just, they want to use the Patriot Act so that this could be one of them. There are no reveal subpoenas, right? That like we get the information, but we don't notify them in advance because we don't want to tip them off. Now the local IT department 
And if it's one of these no reveal subpoenas, is probably not even aware that it's happening. Law enforcement might just contact the LMS vendor directly. It's kind of obvious where the data is, and those LMS vendors are are bound by FERPA, but they're also bound by the exception of FERPA um, having to do with uh, responding to subpoenas. And so the law enforcement gets talks to the LMS vendor and they get their hands on all the students' essays from all their English classes, including all the rough drafts. They, it's great. They got the annotations, the teacher's annotations on those rough drafts as they were going through revision. And we can see the assignments that the teacher actually assigned. And so they gather all this data and then they go off and they, they do some investigations and meet in conference rooms and make PowerPoints and stuff. And they look at it very carefully and very thoroughly with a very open mind. And it turns out that while there is passion in how those students write in their English class, and the teacher is also very passionate, it does not seem that there's any radicalization. Nothing, nothing was going on that was bad. And the investigators conclude that we just don't need to do anything else. It's, it's fine. Um, and things even begin to settle down on a national level, um, and the protests continue, but are, are at a l lower level of intensity and all was peaceful. And so law enforcement is like we did our job. We made sure that uh, we were one step ahead of everybody. And, um, and we have all these materials. And so we're just going to take them and we're going to file them away and put them in a file and probably never, ever look at them again. Just kind of like the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. You know, just push it out into some filing area and uh, away we go. So it's good that this had a happy ending, right? I think it's a happy ending at least, but I just emphasize that this is fiction. It's a story. And in order to make the story hold together, I had to stretch a little bit. And I'll just be honest, the biggest stretch in the story is getting that no-notice subpoena and bypassing the school, going to the LMS vendor directly. I think that the law enforcement folks would have to go somewhere in a grand jury or to some kind of a judge and really convince them that there was some kind of concern there. But I'm going to guess that the bar isn't all that high. But honestly, if the school ran a 100% open source learning management system on their own DigitalOcean server, say like Moodle, the path to that student's data must at least run through the campus IT organization. And so this is the, the lesson of when you control the student's data, then it you may still have to comply with a subpoena, but at least we know what's going on. At least the, the, the collective citizenry knows what's going on. We may not be able to reveal it to the students because of the terms of the subpoena. So that's the scary campfire story for today. Um, this story has a happy ending in terms of nothing really bad happened to the teacher or the students. And matter of fact, the teacher or the students didn't even know anything happened. But it does mean that law enforcement has their hands on some data that might turn out to have different meaning at some point in the future. So I hope you enjoyed our little uh, campfire chat. Cheers. Thank you for watching this episode of the LearnerPrivacy.org podcast.